Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Friday, people. It is very, very nearly the weekend. In fact, wherever you're watching this or listening to this, by the time you're doing it, it might well be the end of your working week and the weekend. So I hope you have a fantastic couple of days, whatever you guys have got planned. If you are around here and you are heading to West London tomorrow, then you are hopefully going to see a very, very decent game. Arsenal taking on Brentford in their first game back after the international break. Mikel Arteta has just been speaking about that at London Colney in his pre-match press conference. He's given the latest on team news on Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Ben White. He's been talking about Urian Timber and his potential return, um, which is interesting timing given some of those reports that were coming out of Holland fairly recently about the extent of his injury and how long he could be out for. He's been speaking about Takihiro Tomiyasu's future, of course, the FA charge that he's facing as well. So plenty to discuss today. Got some questions and comments from you guys as well. So let's get cracking. We'll start with the very latest team news from Mikel Arteta. This is what he's had to say at London Colney in his press conference on Martin Odegaard, whether he will be available. He said, hopefully, yes, we have another session today, but he's been progressing well and hopefully he will be available. Uh, you know, I'd be stunned if Odegaard's not in, not playing against Brentford tomorrow, not starting against Brentford tomorrow. He's been training all week. He's fine. You know, the the, the concussion that he suffered, that's all done and dusted. So, you know, Mikel there, so, you know, given typical manager talk, but look, I think Martin Odegaard's going to play on Gabriel Jesus. He said, look, he's available. He's played 96 to 97 minutes in a really competitive match. Like I said, we have another session today. They had a long flight and I have to see the condition of every single player to make the final call on the lineup, he laughed, Mikel, when he gave that answer. And he said, uh, when he was saying he played 96, 97 minutes, he was laughing as he said that, which I think potentially gave a little bit of an indication into, into what Mikel Alteta thought of the fact that Brazil played him for every single minute in that game against Argentina. But we'll see with Gabriel Jesus. As I've said in the last couple of videos, I wouldn't be at all surprised 
if we see Jesus start the game tomorrow night on the bench, given how much he played against Argentina. The long flight home, as Mikel Arteta suggested there. Wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal err on the side of caution with Jesus and leave him on the bench and go with Leandro Trossard. And Ben White, potentially this one's the more uh, worrying one of the lot, or the, he's certainly the more doubtful one of the lot. Don't think he was training with the squad yesterday, Ben White. I think he was training in the gym by him, um, you know, in, inside, basically, not out on the pitch. So that suggests he might be a little bit off. But Mikel was asked about him. And he said, again, if he is available today for training, he will be eligible to play. But it's a question mark to be resolved in the next few hours. So that's doesn't sound great on Ben White. Gabriel Jesus, I think, will definitely be in the squad. Martin Odegaard, I think, will start. But White... Obviously, I think there's a little bit more to be done today to see if he's going to be around. But the fact he wasn't training with the squad yesterday, I think that has to put a very big sort of doubtful mark over Ben White potentially playing in this one. But Arsenal have Takira Tomiyasu, of course. And if Ben White's not fit, I think you just play Tomiyasu at right back. You obviously have Zinchenko at left back and you have the two regular starters at centre-back in Gabriel and Saliba. So I wouldn't say it's the weakest Defence by any mean. Ben White's obviously a really, really important player for Arsenal. The way he combines with Bukayo Saka down the right-hand side with Odegaard as well. With Odegaard back in the team, you know, it would be a, it would be a bonus if Arsenal had Ben White, obviously. But Tommy Asu's a very, very able deputy for Ben White. We will talk about Tommy Asu a little bit later on in today's show because Mikel has been responding to those transfer links with Tommy Asu and Bayern Munich that have been doing the rounds during the last uh, the last couple of weeks were during the international break. Okay, obviously a lot of the discussion was about uh, the FA charge. I mean, this is just a brief bit of what he had to say. Far more, He said far more of it. You'll be able to find the full transcript on the Arsenal website by now. I imagine by the time you're watching this, it'll be up on the, uh, on the website. He was asked about the FA charge and whether he sent observations in. He said, yes, we have. We will try to give our point of view and the reasons why. And there's not a lot more I can comment on. He was asked if he's been happy with how the whole situation has been handled. He said, look, there is a process. And when you get asked to give your observations, you have to do it in the right way. When he was asked if he would do the same thing or say the same thing, if he could turn the clock back, he said, that's not possible. You learn from everything. That's for sure. Now, Arteta will be responding to the FA. Um, they gave him extra time this week. He needs to respond fully by today. And he will and by all accounts, I think Arsenal are going to be making it very, very clear. And Arteta is going to be making it very, very clear in the responses that they give that they're feeling like they're kind of being singled out a little bit by the FA. And that some of what's gone on outside of the club in the last couple of weeks and how that's been kind of responded to is very, very different to the way the things with Arsenal and Mikel Arteta has been handled in the aftermath of the Newcastle game. Roberto De Zerbi, for example, has now just been kind of reminded of his responsibilities by the FA following his little outburst that he gave where he basically said that he hated 80% of all the referees in England. You know, that is a personal attack, no doubt about it. I don't want anything to happen to De Zerbi by any means, but I think it's very... When you look at what Mikel had to say in that game against Newcastle, there was no real personal attack on the referee. What he was talking about was an incident, was it, you know, the incident and the goal, basically. He didn't have a go at the referee in terms of them personally or VAR personally. He talked about the whole situation, the goal, how it was awarded. You know, when you sort of compare that to what Deserby's done, with that, you know, definitely a personal attack on the on not just one referee, all the referees pretty much, or 80% of the referees in the country. Yeah, he gets let off and it looks like Arteta's going to get punished. Arsenal feel... They're getting unfairly punished here because of 
how big of a thing it was made into. And it was. I think the Deserby stuff barely got a mention in the wider media, did it? Arteta was everywhere, back page, front page, on every single newspaper, on every bulletin on Sky. It was all about Arteta and his rage and everything like that. It was built up into this huge, huge story. But when you actually break it down and you look at it, it was Arteta talking about an incident in a game, a goal that was ruled out. Yes, they were pretty explosive comments, but it wasn't. I think when you look at what he's been charged with and you think, how have they really made concocted conduct concocted that all up you know the charge is that he's basically it's a prolonged attack that's what they've decided that they can charge him with a prolonged attack but it was a prolonged attack because he went into every single media thing he had to do and every single question he faced was about what had happened and so I think Arsenal are going to point that out I think they know for well he's going to end up getting charged he's probably going to end up missing a game being touchline banned like FA are going to make an example of him but I think what Arsenal are going to do and what well certainly what Mikel Arteta is going to do is make sure that that they are aware that they think they have been pretty singled out here. Because, I mean, look at Pochettino as well. He went storming onto the pitch, didn't he, after the Manchester City game, confronting the referee really angrily, getting in his face, pointing right in the TV cameras are right on him. You know, that's a personal attack. And yet Pochettino is not going to end up being touchline banned, and Arteta is. And I think Arsenal just feel pretty hard done by about the whole how the whole thing has been handled and how it's been blown up and how he's been really made to look the bad guy. But... Uh, Look, I thought he spoke. I thought he spoke really well on it, to be honest. Um, and there is far more than these little brief quotes that are given here that are on the screen or that I've just read out. And if you want to go and read it in full, like I said, the transcript will be on the Arsenal website, and I think it's well worth a read. Okay, on Yuri and Timber, um, I spoke about him on yesterday morning show. In fact, there's those reports that were coming out of Holland that, you know, really sort of scaremongering reports almost that he was definitely going to miss Euro 2024 and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, for me, for Timber, as I said yesterday, as soon as that injury happened, it's just like, look, he's back when he's back. There doesn't need to be a time scale. It doesn't need to be 12 months, nine months, eight months, whatever it is. It's just he he's back when he's back. If he's back this season, it would be a huge bonus for me. Right now, as soon as the injury happened, it's just like, right, that's it. He's gone for the season and let's look forward to seeing him back next season. If he's back before that, then it's just a huge, huge bonus. You can't put timescales on ACL injuries. You never know. Each player is different. It's just a long-term thing and he's got to be given time. The club have got to be given time to make sure he comes back okay. So Mikel was asked about him in today's press conference and how he's been around the place despite the injury, how he's managed to integrate despite not actually being on the pitch at his new club. And Mikel said, brilliant. You talk to anyone in the building, he's a really special character. We were really impressed when we signed him. We went, wow, we have an incredible player. Then had a big setback and a really difficult setback to go through. And he's been really special in the way he's handled the situation. Really special. He was then asked that, you know, there has been whisperings around Arsenal that we might see him out on a training pitch at some point uh, in the not too distant future. And Mikel said, I hope so. Doing what kind of activity, though? That's something very different. He's done a few walks on the field, but that's still very far from competing. But he's in a good place. So that sounds quite positive, I think, from Mikel. But as I said, it's just there shouldn't be any pressure on when Timber comes back. It's just when he's back, he's back and it's just going to be brilliant to see. But I don't think anything needs to be said about, you know, time scales or anything like that. It's just let him come back. Let the medical staff do what they do. Let the injury heal the way it needs to be healed. Because the last thing you want with something like this is for a player to come back, come back a little bit early, be pushed back. And it won't happen with Arsenal. They won't do that. But if it is, if that would happen somewhere at another club and you see it, some players come back too early and they end up 
doing the same injury, maybe not on the same knee, but on the other knee. And then you're back to square one all over again. And there's just nothing worse than that happening. So let's just hope, fingers crossed, it all goes smoothly and we get to see Timber back playing as well as possible. I've had lots of people sort of getting in touch, actually. And, you know, some people saying that uh, they won't, he's not going to be back. It's like really doomsday scenario. He's not going to be back. He's never going to be the same player. You don't, you don't come back as the same player. And, um, I've seen lots of comments. There's one here from Luke, which said, I was so impressed by Timber in pre-season. Just hope we get the same player back as not all do make it back 100%. Uh, yeah, obviously, that is true. Not all make it back 100%. And like like Luke says, you know, we can just hope we do get the same player back. And I don't think, you know, there's been a lot of people getting in touch saying that's it. He's, you know, we're never going to, he's, we're not going to see Timber back. Unfortunately, it's over. We're not going to see him back. And that's rubbish. Like, people have got in touch saying no one's ever done it. I was there when when Robert Pires did his cruciate against Newcastle in um, 2002 at Highbury. It was just after the season he had, it was a disaster. And he came back and was so influential in the 2004 Invincibles team. He was fabulous. He had a really long career. Even when he left Arsenal, we went to Villarreal and was excellent. Um, you know, Timber's done it. You look at Florian Wurtz at the moment over in Germany, how he's come back and the form that he's hitting now after suffering an injury. There's been countless players who have done it and, um, and have done away. Alan Shearer did it. And look at the career he went on to achieve um, afterwards. So, and the goals that he scored. Lots of players come back and are stronger than ever doing it, especially now with the way medical science is and the treatment that they are given. So, fingers crossed he'll be fine. I just think we all just need to take the pressure off and let it all happen naturally. And when he's back, he's back. And I don't see any reason why he can't get back to the sort of player that he, that he was already. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, yeah, on Tomiyasu and those links to Bayern Munich, Mikel was asked about him saying, Is he gonna, do you want him to stay? He said, I really want him to stay. I value him a lot. I really like him. He's loved and respected by everyone at the club. He's getting a lot of minutes and he will continue to be with us. Great news. You know, I fully expect Tommy Asu to be offered a new contract at Arsenal uh, very, very soon. As I said, we know that Ben White, those talks are going on with Ben White. Tommy Asu will be very much next on the next on the list, next on the agenda. He's such an important player. He's so well liked, as Mikel said here, respected by everyone at the club. He's playing a lot of, he's getting a lot of game time now. The injuries that he suffered with, yes, he got the bad one against Sporting last year, but I think that was slightly different at the end of last season to what we'd seen before from him. He kept breaking down with muscles in, muscle injuries. The one against Sporting was a bit of a, a freak injury that just happened. Um, and so I think there's definitely been positive signs with Tommy Asu in terms of his injuries. Touch wood, because I don't want to see 
you know, put a curse on him and end up getting something go wrong with him against Brentford at the weekend. But um, yeah, hugely important player. Tommy Asu, such a crucial squad player. First teamer when he's called upon. Um, yeah, new contract for him should be an absolute imperative in my uh, opinion. Okay, let's move on to some questions and comments now, shall we? As Yevon points out, tomorrow's game against Brentford will be Mikel's 200th in charge of Arsenal as a manager. Big milestone. He spoke about that in his press conference today. Actually, he said he was really, really proud of it and that he hopes to go on and do another 200 and 300 for the club. Um, fastest ever play manager. Uh, no matter what the result is tomorrow, even if Arsenal lose or draw, um, no manager in the history of Arsenal would ever have clocked up more wins in their first 200 games in charge than Mikel Arteta has. Uh, Yevon says, just a question for you. If Mikel was to leave right now, apart from the FA Cup win and Reese Nelson's winner, which other moment has been your favourite under Mikel's reign and which other legacy would he leave behind that sums up his tenure at the club? Well, I think my answer to that would be kind of linked or there'd be, I'd compare the two um, or link the two. So, you know, my favourite moment under Mikel's reign is basically what the legacy would leave behind is. And that's just the squad that he's built, the club that he's built from where it was when he picked it up. It was just a mess. It was broken. There was no positivity. There was, I, I didn't feel Arsenal were anywhere close to challenging for anything really. But if he were to leave tomorrow and a very good manager was appointed to replace him, that manager would be picking up a squad full of top, top quality young players that has been built over the last four years that could compete with anyone, that can beat anyone, that we've seen that. And he would find a fan base that is absolutely bought into what is being built on the pitch. And I think that would be that would be the legacy that Arteta would leave behind should he leave tomorrow. And I think that's also my favourite thing of his reign is just seeing that all happen, seeing it all take place and seeing how it's been put together. And seeing how a club that was really broken and fractious has now become, you know, compact and together. And I think that's such a huge, huge thing. Uh, Gunner72, I just wanted to bring this one up because I wasn't actually sure what you were responding to, to be honest. Um, you said, what you said about our number nine is a load of bollocks. I'm pretty sure that even Gabby J knows that he's not Terry on me, a million goals a season type player. He offers so much more than just goal scoring, in my opinion. When Mikel Arteta was asked about Gabby, bring what he brings to the to our game he said he brings chaos to the opposition for me that describes perfectly and I love it and I agree 100% I'm not sure what I said um I haven't gone back and actually watched it or listened to what I said but I'm, I don't really know what you're what you're getting at because I you know this is exactly what Gabby does bring and I'm not a, I'm not of the opinion he needs to score 25 goals a season um I love what he brings to this team I love him as a player I think he's I think he's world-class Gabriel Jesus I think he's a fabulous footballer I think when he's in a team Arsenal are miles better and I don't think he needs to score 25 goals because I think what else he brings, he he brings others into the game who score goals themselves. You look at what Arsenal did last season, how they played. Gabriel Jesus was absolutely central to that. And the success that Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli had was because of Gabriel Jesus. So, look, I think Arsenal do need another type of option of a striker, but that's not to come in and replace Gabriel Jesus. I'm not saying that by any means. And um, I think what I was talking about yesterday was the comments that he made where he admitted it's not his best trait is goal scoring. And he admitted that himself. And I think we all know that. But I don't think that that's a negative by any means. I just think what Gabriel Jesus brings is far more than just about goals. It'd be brilliant if he scored 30 a season on top of what else he does. But, you know, you can't have it all. And I think we'll get, and I think Gabriel Jesus does have the capability and the ability to score 20 goals a season, 25 goals a season. It hasn't happened yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if it does. Um, but no, I think he's a brilliant player. 
Guna 72 absolutely and like that that quote that Michael gave about Gabby bringing chaos and that he changed Arsenal's world is 100% true you know and I think he's a fabulous player I can't wait to see him back fit playing for Arsenal week in week out uh, here's one from the real Nostradamus who says that the ongoing fear that we can only make profit from our youth players recently Willock Martinez Balogun father three million profit on Turner I'm worried that our remaining Haylenders are next to leave to maximise profit to make up for some financial losses. Do you see differently? I don't see it differently, but I don't think that's just an Arsenal thing. I think a lot of clubs now, the main main profit that they are making when they are selling players, especially top clubs, are their academy products. Look at Manchester City. Look at the money they've made in what J- uh, Trafford to Burnley, um, Cole Palmer to Chelsea. Look at the money, the money that Chelsea have made from their academy products. Academy products can't all go into the first team. It's very rare, especially if you're a top club, you're a Champions League club. Only very, very few manage to make it. But I think what you have to do now with the academy, especially I think in the Premier League, because it's so hard to sell players in the Premier League, because if they're not, if it's not another Premier League club buying them or say a Bayern Munich, no one's really got the money that you would want to buy those players to take on the wages. So it's really, really difficult. So I think you've got to make sure that your academy players, the players you're producing, are very, very sellable. And that's where you make a lot big parts of your profit. And also on FFP rules, that profit is pure profit as well because they've come through the academy. So it's an even bigger boost for clubs in terms of getting their FFP in order. So, yeah, I don't I don't look at it as a huge worry. I just think it's the way football is now, especially in the Premier League. Selling academy players is absolutely crucial. We all want to see the likes of Bakaya Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe come through and make it into the first team. That's the dream. That's what every football fan wants. And it makes you have that bond with the club even more because they're homegrown. It's fabulous, but it's very, very rare. And I think you have to make those sales, those Willocks, those Balogun sales, whereas it would be brilliant if they could stay and make it. But you look at Joe Willock, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't ready to be in the Arsenal first team. No one was calling for Joe Willock to be playing regularly for Arsenal, but they went, they got good money on him. He's gone and he's having a really good time of things at Newcastle. And that's fantastic to see. Would he be the player he was now if he'd stayed at Arsenal? Probably not because he wouldn't have got the minutes he was getting Newcastle, but Arsenal made a lot of money out of him. It was really good. And he's gone on now to have a really good career. And I think that's going to start happening. You know, ask any Manchester City fan, would they probably have preferred Cole Palmer to be at Man City now rather than Chelsea? They'd probably say yes, but would he be playing now like he would be for Chelsea if it was Man City no and so sometimes you've got to make difficult decisions you've got to make decisions that you in the grand scheme of things you'd probably prefer to be different but it's the way football is now so I don't, I don't look at it as a, a ongoing fear I just look at it as football and as kind of necessity now in how football works especially in the top of the Premier League All right, that's it from me, everyone. Thank you very much for your time. As always, really do appreciate it. I'll be back tomorrow to do a sort of pre-match preview show in the morning. We'll go through the predicted 11, that sort of thing. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Until then, have a very good Friday and I'll speak to you soon. 